This episode will contain explicit language, along with spoilers for Sofia Coppola's 2013 film, The Bling Ring. Welcome, like, to a new episode of, like, franchises and, like, filmogs. All right, I'm done with that. That was me trying to be Emma Watson in the film that I just watched. And I'm not going to lie, I don't like this film. I was not a fan. I went into it thinking it was going to be pretty bad, and it exceeded in the wrong direction my expectations. Today I watched The Bling Ring, and that's what we're going to talk about on this podcast. We are on season four of Franchises and Filmogs. Welcome. In case you couldn't understand my previous accent, welcome to Franchises and Filmogs. Today we're talking about The Bling Ring, 2013 film. We're on season four episode 48 of the podcast talking about Sofia Coppola's filmography and today I have a movie that I'm not that excited to talk about I'll be honest but let's go over some uh, some facts about the film this film had a budget of eight million dollars which is not too high nothing compared to Marie Antoinette uh, but it grossed about 20 million which is also not way too high, but that's that's not a bad take-in. That's a cumulative gross. This is all according to IMDb. This film, I would not be happy if I paid to see this film in theaters. I was not happy that I pay a Netflix subscription to watch this film. I just really, I really don't like this film. I hope this is the worst Coppola film because there's, I think, three more films I'm going to watch. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, but... I didn't like this one. I didn't like it a lot. I didn't like it hardly at all. So we're going to talk about that as well. There's a scene in this film that takes place at Paris Hilton's house, and it was actually filmed there. Sofia Coppola is pretty big in the film industry, and it makes sense that she can get access to all sorts of sets. She was able to get access to Versailles, uh, the palace when she was filming Marie Antoinette. So she was able to get access to Paris Hilton's house for this film. And this film is based on a Vanity Fair article that came out in 2010, and it's called The Suspects Wore Louboutins. Now, I don't know too much about this story. I hardly remember it. It was about 11 years ago, I guess. Uh, so I don't remember too much about it. But I do remember seeing some news articles about people robbing rich people, and Paris Hilton was one of the people that was robbed. And as Emma Watson says in this film, she wants to rob. They just, they want to rob in this film. They do rob in this film. But ironically, Emma Watson's wallet was stolen during the filming of this movie. So that's pretty interesting. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened with that case. I don't know if she got her wallet back, if they found the person that robbed her. Uh, and I don't know where her wallet was stolen. I don't know if it was while she was on set. I assume it was not while she was on set, but I'm not certain. This is also Sofia Coppola's third film to feature pole dancing. That's definitely something we saw in Somewhere. I think it's in Lost in Translation, and I don't remember what the third film that had pole dancing was. Maybe it was this, the Virgin Suicides. Um, I don't think Marie Antoinette had any pole dancing, but I could be wrong. Uh, my, my memory is failing me on this. I think that I watched this film and I lost 
quite a bit of intelligence. And that's kind of the point of this film. But I also just, I had trouble getting through this film. It was hard for me to even sit back and not think about how bad the film was. So I, I might have lost some memory of Coppola's previous films. Uh, there is a Kirsten Dunst cameo in this film, and she plays herself. She's at a nightclub. Uh, and apparently this was not in the original script. She was just visiting Sofia Coppola on the set. And Coppola, as she always does with Kirsten Dunst, was like, hey, want to be in this movie? And Kirsten Dunst said, yes, I guess. And she shows up in a club. And I don't remember if they use her name at all. I'm going to talk about the audio in this film because I think that's very important. Uh, but I'll talk about that in a second. But I don't remember if they say like, hey, that's Kirsten Dunst or not. But she plays herself. She cameos at the nightclub. She's partying. Uh, another fun fact about this film, and I'll leave you with this fact, is that Sofia Coppola had to cast fake Burgle, a house, prior to shooting this film to see what kind of mistakes they would make. And in this film, they make some crazy mistakes. There are hella mistakes going on in this film. I don't know how these teens did not get caught earlier. We'll, we'll we'll get into it. We're going to take a break right here because I'm, I'm starting to feel my blood boil a little bit about all the flaws I had with this film. And it's not, it's not only Sofia Coppola's fault. I do want to say that this film is not shot horribly. I do have problems with that. I think the subject matter is just uninteresting. And to me, there's no reason to tell this story on a screen if it's so boring. But we'll talk about that. We're going to take a break here and we'll be right back. I want to start off this episode with the most blaring and in-my-face issues that I saw from the get-go of watching this film because there were a lot of technical issues that I had with this film. I don't think that I was watching it on a bad platform. I've not had any problems with any of Coppola's other films. I watched this on Netflix. I've never really had a problem with any of the films I watch on Netflix. But the lighting in this film killed me. It killed me. The sound in this film killed me. We'll start with the lighting. From the very get-go... It is in your face, extremely bright. And I don't know if this is just because bling is in the title, but it shines in your face. It blinds me. I could hardly keep my eyes open because it is so bright. And I don't know if there was some sort of saturation issue with the lighting, if the camera angles were just weird, or if they added a lot of yellow light for no reason unless to make it more blingy. I don't know. I don't know. It takes place in California, of course, because that's where the rich people that they rob live. So it makes sense that it's sunny, but you don't have to push this brightness into my eyes and blind me for half the film. There are very few scenes that I noticed were not bright. There's some night scenes, I guess, where they're robbing. There's some scenes that take place through like surveillance video cameras. Those aren't too bright, those are pretty dark. Aside from that, everything else, it's just in your face, 
bright. I almost needed sunglasses to watch a lot of this film. Going off of that, there's a lot of abrupt cuts in this film. I don't know exactly the reasoning for this. This film's not that long. It's an hour and a half. It's 90 minutes. And there's just a lot of cuts that skip over stuff. It's almost like they didn't have a story. And I think this is something Coppola has done really well in other films, is she likes to just show people living their lives. But in this film, the audience is expecting the story, this heist story. And we do get that. But we'll cut from like being in high school to the, the, the kids burglarizing a house at night with no no in between. There's not a lot of backstory for these kids. Like, I don't even know who the boy's parents are. I think he lives with his grandma. I don't even know. I don't know anything about these people people's lives. I know that Emma Watson's character is kind of preppy and very annoying to me. She's kind of like a gossip girl, I guess, and a, a very much a stereotype of Valley girls. So that's like the only character I really know almost anything about. Everything else is pretty much unexplained. Leslie Mann's character, she plays the mom of Emma Watson and one of the other girls, uh, which is another weird thing that they don't really explain. I guess these two girls are not related. I don't know. I feel like I need to read the article. I haven't read the article that this is based on. I don't know too much about the story. Maybe when this came out, everyone was so familiar with the story that this explanation wasn't needed. To me, it was needed. And there were a lot of abrupt cuts. We get this courtroom scene at the very end that's like two minutes. And what they do is they close the court doors. It's like they didn't really want to film the courtroom scene at all. So they close the courtroom doors. We're outside of the, the trial that's going on. We don't hear anything about the trial. The next thing we know, the teenagers are going to jail. We hear their sentences. But we don't know how the trial went at all. I'm more interested in seeing how the trial is going. I'm more interested in things being explained in this film. In Lost in Translation, they're just living their lives. That's a story. They just live their lives. It's a masterpiece. We still get more of a sense of story because we are focused on these characters. In Marie Antoinette, we're focused on Kirsten Dunst as Marie Antoinette the whole time. We're always focused on the characters in the story. This film, it seems like maybe there's too many characters and we just didn't have the time to focus on any of their backstories. Like, I, I guess they just have this addiction to getting rich people's things, but it's, it's unexplained to me. There's a lot of shaky cam. This feels like a very, very low budget film. Like, I could, I could understand if this is a debut film. But this is a film where Coppola is coming off probably some of the best films that were coming out each year. She came off The Virgin Suicides, which was a great film. She came off Marie Antoinette, which is a great film. Lost in Translation is a great film. Somewhere is closest to this film, I guess, but only because there's not too fluent of a story. But that film feels like everything is focused on the scenery Things are still explained, even though like we don't know too well the relationship of the husband or the 
previous husband and the divorced wife. We don't know, but it's shot in a much better way. And I think that that's what this film needed. It either needed a fluent story that's explained to the audience in some way, or it just needed shots of them burglarizing, but they needed to be good shots, not these abrupt cuts. And it feels like we're getting a mix of both and they don't flow well together. I just wanted to talk about the sound in this film. Again, I watched it on Netflix. I don't know if the sound mixing was a little bit off. I assume not because I've still, I've never had this problem with a film, but it is extremely hard to hear the dialogue in a lot of this film. At the very beginning, there's like blaring hip hop music and rap music. We get some Kanye, we get some, um, I don't know if we get Iggy, Iggy Azalea, I think. Whatever was popular at the time, we're getting that rap music. And quite honestly, I miss the previous soundtracks for Coppola's other films. I want more of that indie rock. And I think it still could have worked with this film. I do see what Coppola's trying to do with this film. She's trying to make it more relative to the youth. But it feels out of touch with the youth because of these decisions. Like, I think more of the youth would have been able to relate if she included, like, more of the strokes. Overall, I think the mixing in this film is awful. I had a lot of trouble hearing dialogue. Dialogue matters to me in this film because I don't know the story too well. I don't remember the story too well. So dialogue is important to me. And it feels like that's just glossed over and we're just going for style here. And the style is not good. It's not good. Maybe it's 2000 style, but it's not good. It feels out of touch to me. It feels like it's catering to the youth, but it's not relating to them at all. And I just miss, I miss the indie soundtrack from her previous films because I love the strokes and I, I miss the montages. There's some montages in this film, but again, they don't flow because everything abruptly cuts to different scenes. Those are the main issues I had with this film. We're going to take a break right here. And then I'm going to talk a little more about the subject matter of this film when we get back. As I've already gotten into this a little bit, I think the weakest part, the absolute weakest part of this film is the script and what the cast does to deal with that script. We've got Emma Watson in this film who has very much an, an English accent. And it seems like she's trying to go for the Valley Girl American accent uh, for like a, a stereotypical teenager in high school. But it is really bad. It's really bad. There were a lot of people, I think after this film came out, there were a lot of people that were like, Emma Watson doesn't know how to act. I don't think that's true. I don't think that Emma Watson is a bad actor at all. I think that she is, is a pretty good, good actor. She's in uh, the Harry Potter film. She's great as Hermione in those films. I think she was pretty good in uh, Little Woman, which came out two years ago, maybe last year. Uh, but in this film, she's just, she's given the script, I think, that every other word is like. And she has to say such things as, I want to rob. And like, these shoes are great. Like, and every other word just, it, it feels like it's like 
that's my terrible uh, interpretation of her accent and my terrible display of it. But it, it is that bad. It is that bad. And I think that it is due to the script. I will give Emma Watson a little more of, of a plus because I don't think it's her fault that she has one of the worst lines in this film has is given maybe the worst script. I don't know. These characters are also really stupid. I don't know enough about what actually happened in the article and what happened when Paris Hilton was robbed and these teenagers went to jail. I assume they went to jail based on the sentencing. I don't know what happened, to be honest. I don't know enough. But in this film, it's almost like cameras didn't exist at the time. And I'm pretty sure they did. And I'm surprised that they didn't get caught sooner. I mean, they're trying to rob Orlando Bloom, I think, is one of the houses they go to. They go to Paris Hilton's house. They go to a bunch of other rich people's houses. They're like stealing cars, which I don't know how you're not caught right after stealing a car. Like, were what's this bling ring? Like, were these teenagers really this dumb that they didn't realize cameras exist? Were these celebrities this dumb not to have cameras? I could believe that maybe at the time they didn't have cameras, I guess. But were they really leaving their keys right under the doormat? Maybe. I think that was a big thing back in the day. Uh, I remember that there used to be a key in a certain place outside my family's home. But I think I think they've changed that with how security has changed. So maybe back in the day, Paris Hilton was leaving a key under her doormat. I don't know. I don't know for sure. Do these kids have parents at all? We've got Leslie Mann as one of the parents, and she seems like a pretty hands-off parent. Uh, her kids, I guess, are homeschooled through some theory that she is searching to try and make them famous. Uh, I think Emma Watson's character was actually in a TV show, but I'm not sure. Again, I don't know too much. Might need to do more research about this film. Uh, but the boy in this film, does he have parents at all? Because they seem to like not know anything about his life. I don't know if this is a California thing. Maybe this is something with families that live near celebrities they're just pretty hands-off they don't care what their kids do all day but it seemed weird to me it seems like none of these kids really have parents at all that care about anything bad parenting is something we saw in somewhere but at least he like knew where the kid was whenever she was like with him he knew where Elle Fanning's character was Stephen Dorff's character knew where Elle Fanning's character was because he's the father of her so he would at least know where she is at all times Whereas, I mean, she is younger than these high schoolers, but still in high school, my parents would be like, whose house are you going to each night? And there are parents that are very hands off, but I find it hard to believe that these parents would not notice that their kids are starting to dress in celebrity price clothing, like Gucci clothes and wearing these like Ray-Ban sunglasses or Louboutins. Who knows? Who knows? But I would think that parents would at least notice that unless they're buying these things for their kids, but we don't we don't see them going shopping with the kids at all. I don't know. The story seems off to me. I think there's something fishy 
going on here that is maybe explained more in the article than it is in the film. These kids also have absolutely no regrets. It's like they don't realize that prison is a thing. And maybe they weren't taught this. Maybe they weren't taught that there's discipline uh, for bad actions, but they just seem to not really know anything about like being reprimanded for burglarizing a celebrity. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I have to say about this film. It is an A24 film, which was interesting to me. A24 is a studio that releases some really great films. And this, in my opinion, is not one of them. I think this is probably Coppola's weakest film. And I don't think that she's a bad director at all. So don't take away from this that I think she's a bad director. I think every other one of her films I've watched so far is amazing. And I'm, I'm really happy that I've gone on this journey. I just think this was a weak point in her career thus far. Uh, I don't really know who this movie is for. I don't know if it's for adults or teenagers or people interested in the article or people that read Vanity Fair. Uh, I don't know. That was another question I had. Overall, I give this film a two out of five, which is pretty low for me. I'm usually like a three is a decent movie. A two is a not good movie. Uh, before I am out for the day, this film kind of reminded me that one way you can support this podcast is by donating on Anchor. You can become a monthly supporter of this podcast for as low as 99 cents a month. It's a little bit of a plug here. Uh, but unlike in this film, some of the gains of this podcast will be going to charity. Uh, 50% of all proceeds for this podcast will be going to local arts organizations. I live in the Seattle area, so local arts organizations in the greater Seattle area that have been affected by COVID-19. So I do encourage you to become a supporter of the podcast. Uh, if you don't want to, that's totally fine. Keep listening. This is a free podcast, and I'm, I'm happy to have listeners, and I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Another thing, you can message me. Let me know what you think about the show. You can give me a rating on Apple Podcasts if you're pissed off because I just asked uh, for support. Go ahead and give me a one star. All publicity is good publicity. I don't know if that's true, but it's publicity, I guess. So yeah, you can give me a rating on Apple Podcasts if you'd like. Uh, otherwise, I will talk to you guys next time. The next film that I will be discussing is, I think, a film. It's more of a special, uh, but it's Sofia Coppola's next movie. I'm using air quotes right now, her movie. Uh, and that is... A very Murray Christmas. So we'll, we'll get to do a little bit of a holiday film. And I will talk to you guys next Tuesday. There's a chance that there will be a bonus episode this weekend. Uh, I am maybe going to be talking with one of my friends this weekend about a previous topic, but I'm not promising that yet because I'm not certain. But if there is a bonus episode, I hope you enjoy it this weekend. Otherwise, I'll be back on Tuesday.